We remember that he ascended on high and that we, with him, are blessed in heavenly places. Amen. We remember that he is our Lord, that he is the Christ. He is the way into that life that we all want to experience each and every day. We experience it now. We experience it every day. The presence of our risen Lord because he's a promise keeper. And we are not left comfortless. Jesus is risen. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is here with us just as Jesus promised us he would be. He is here with us, sustaining us, growing us, teaching us. We remember and we receive and we welcome his presence into our midst, into our lives, because he's glorious. He's the glorious God. And we're grateful. And we're grateful. And we know that victory is waiting, and we can almost taste that victory. We can almost taste that victory. And when the presence of the Holy Spirit touches us, there's nothing like it. But then, or and then, days unfold. Sometimes our days unfold a lot faster, right, than we would like for them to. Time can seem to just snap by, snap, 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 a week, one week into the next, one month into the next, one year into the next, and it, and it can become almost a blur to us. The business, the business, oh, the business. The business of life, everyday life, sometimes it's a drudge, same thing, day in, day out. So much to think about. Sometimes things happen that just come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And it hits us when we least expect it. We think we'll be prepared, but we're not. We're tugged and we're pulled in this direction and in that direction. And sometimes it can be so frustrating just trying to make it through a difficult day. Maybe we're surrounded with difficult people. And so I think most of you know what I'm talking about because if it hasn't happened to you today, it happened to you yesterday or last week. We all have those rough times, those rough moments, and those times can seem so long when we're going through them. And we certainly, when we're going through all of that, we don't feel, we don't feel very victorious. We don't feel it. We don't want to claim defeat, but we're not feeling victorious. You know, we always need our God, and we know we always need our God, but it's in the battles that we go through that we realize just how much we need him, and we need him with us, with us. And these are the times, these are the times when the distractions of our lives can open us up to hearing not the voice of our beloved Holy Spirit, but the voice or the voices that are wrong. 
that aren't going to lead us to victory. And we tend to forget, though, as we're in those kind of struggles, that victory, when we think about victory, it implies that there's something that we have become or have, someone has become victorious over. If you're going to claim a victory, you have to be victorious over something, right? We love the word victory. We love that word. But we don't think about how it implies that we have to be victorious over something. There will be battles that we have to overcome. There will be bat battles that we need to gain that victory in. And it's during those battles that our strength in the Lord can be known if we look to him. Because he will fully equip us. He will equip us for every battle, and we need to remember that because he promises us victory. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. There Paul said to us, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know this scripture, but let's look at it. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day would you agree that the days can be evil? Yep. And having done so, to stand. To stand. He said, stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand strong in the Lord. All our battles are won, and we need to remember this. All our battles are won in obedience to him. Amen. In obedience. The victory cry that we want to scream, that we want to yell, that we want to proclaim, the victory cry in all of these battles come after the battle is won. And he promises us those victories when we stay close to him when we obey him. He said to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're told in scripture that the devil is wily. He's wily. When I think of wily, I think of wily coyote, but I don't think that's what we're referring to here. The devil is wily. He's devious. He's cunning. He's persuasive. He's manipulative, always plotting always scheming, a trickster trying to trip us up any way he can. Why do you think that we can hear a message or we can read the word and practically the moment we walk out the door or close our Bible, it's snatched from us. 
the meaning, the purpose, the word to us is just snatched from us, almost as though it never even occurred. We never read it, we never heard it. Distractions. Distractions of some kind always seem to arise. Spiritual forces of wickedness absolutely do not want us to attain and to retain his word. Absolutely do not want that happening. I'm speaking of Satan and I'm speaking of demons here. Evil forces do not want any of us to plant those seeds of hope and of faith and of the promises of God deep within our hearts. He does not want them to take root and he certainly doesn't want any of those seeds to produce a harvest. That's the worst. No harvest. We know his games. We know his games. We know these things. This isn't something new I'm up here saying. We know. We know he's wily. We know he's cunning. We don't remember it. When the time comes and we really need it, we don't remember. So we're going to look at the parable of the sower tonight in Matthew 13, 18 through 23. And in this scripture, Matthew 18, 13, 18 through 23, the disciples privately asked Jesus to explain the meaning of the parable. Because many think that that particular parable, the parable of the sower, that it is strictly talking about salvation. But as we're reading it, yes, it's talking about receiving salvation and those who need to receive it. That's at the very forefront of the sower's parable. But it also applies to receiving the word, the word of God. So that applies to every one of us sitting here at all times and in every form when his word comes forth. We need to receive it. So let's read the parable together as scripture uh, unfolds it to us, and we're going to break it down. We're going to start with Matthew 13, verses 18 and 19. Jesus said, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who has received seed by the wayside. So this person is going about his day, and the word of the kingdom, God's word, it presents itself to him, and it presents the way, Jesus, to that person. The way that we're to walk with the Lord, the road of salvation, the message. And it just doesn't make sense to the person. It doesn't make any sense. Well, that doesn't make sense. Why would anybody do that? Why would God do that? Why would he bring himself down? It doesn't make any sense. It's confusing. It's not what a person would do. It's not what human logic would tell any of us to do. It's not making any sense. 
So they begin to filter it. And before they can even get very far, before they can filter it through their human logic, the enemy has already come and he has snatched it away from them and they don't understand it and in place of it, even more confusion. The wicked one snatches it and produces that confusion and the word of the kingdom is snatched away. And so we think of that just for those who don't know the Lord. But you know what? We as believers, as believers, we know that God's ways, they often don't make sense because we're aware of that. We're aware that we worship God in spirit. And we're aware that his ways are higher than our ways. And we're aware that he'll always do things that don't always seem to coincide with the way we would do them. And... He wants us to have faith and follow him and trust him. And guess what we also know? He always makes it come out best in the end. We know that. But if you don't already know the Lord, you're not going to know that. And even though we know that, and even though, even though we know that his ways are always best, his ways of doing things are always not just best, they are the best at all times, all the time, every day, in every way, even though we know this as believers, can we can also receive seed from the word, whether it's through a message, through the scriptures, a seed from that word that's just going to fall along the wayside because we're distracted or it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. And I, I don't know about you, but there's been many times, especially in my early growth as a Christian, but even to this day, when some certain scriptures or certain things that someone says to me, it just doesn't make complete sense to me yet. And I'll be, well, I don't know about that. That doesn't sound quite right. Or I'm not sure about that word. What, is, what does that really mean? And before we can even get any further with it, if the enemy has an opportunity to keep us from understanding correctly, he will snatch it away from us, even as believers. He will snatch it away from us. And at the very least, we'll forget all about it until somebody brings it up, maybe even years later. Or we'll remember it, but we'll create in our own mind something that's not true about that, that word something that's not what God intended it to be. And we'll absorb it and, and make it be our own. So we too have to be very careful. And my suggestion for that is because the enemy will come and when those puzzle pieces are trying to be put together by us, those distractions will come again. He'll distort what we heard and the kingdom word can get brushed aside. Knowing that he tries to operate like that, when we hear something that doesn't quite make sense, if you're able to, on your phone, with a scratch piece of paper, write down a little note to remind yourself so that you can re look at it again later when you're in your time worshiping the Lord, in your prayer time. Because otherwise, we, we can have distorted thoughts about what the Word of God is really telling us. And we don't want that, but the enemy does. But the enemy does. So that's how we're fair to ourselves. And we want to try to always seek understanding immediately, but it doesn't always happen that way. So do yourself a favor. 
and try to make little notes to yourself to help you remember so that you can spend quiet time, serious time, looking at things alone with the Lord and you'll get a right understanding because he will never lead you astray when you are diligently seeking him. He will never lead you astray. So now we're going to look at Matthew 13, verses 20 through 21. Stony places. Have you ever stood barefoot on stones? Anybody? Ever? I'm sure. I'm sure all of you at some point or another have stood barefoot on stones. <laughs> I know I have. And if you've stood barefoot on stones, well, you can do that okay if you're just standing still for a while. Usually if you're still, it's actually might even feel a little nice for the moment. But if you have to walk around on those stones, and, and maybe if you're going uphill or downhill, or you have to walk on those stones for a while with bare feet, it's not comfortable after a while. It's not going to be comfortable after a while. And it's not going to be easy. Verse 20, Jesus continued when he talked about stony places. And he said, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives the word with joy, yet it has no root in himself, and it endures only for a while. For when tribulation, like walking on stones, when tribulation or persecution arise, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Jesus said that the word must take root. It must be so strongly implanted in the hearer that it cannot be pulled up. We want the word of God we want the ways of God to be so strongly implanted in us that no one can pull it up and take it away from us. Amen. That nothing can pull it up and take it away from us. That when tribulation comes, when persecution comes, and we know that it's going to come, that when these things come, especially when you're trying to walk out your life serving the Lord Jesus Christ, when you're trying to be an example to others out there in this world, in your workplace, in your schools, when you're going to the store, when you're in traffic, when you're trying to be that person who loves the Lord, when you're trying to witness to others who don't know the Lord, who need to know him, there are going to be times when you will receive ridicule, you will be persecuted, and you will be rejected. There will be people who do not want to hear and do not want to be around you. So we need to have those roots of the word and relationship with Jesus Christ so strongly embedded in us that when persecution comes that may even, even threaten our resources, threaten our livelihood, distance us perhaps from family members or friends or co-workers, or maybe even cause us to be concerned about the expectations we had in our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we expected him to just make everything, every path smooth. When those things happen, we need to be ready. And he wants us to be so full of him and in such close relationship with him that we will always be ready. So ask for your roots. Ask for your roots. Lord, help me. 
that my roots run deep. Let my roots run deep. Equip me, Lord. Equip us. Make us strong in the difficult times. It's easy. It's easy to claim our Lord Jesus Christ in the easy times. In this room, when we're praising him and singing and lifting our hands, it's easy. Help us, Lord, when we come into stony places, that we will be strong, that we will be able to bear any difficulties that come our way. He doesn't promise us freedom from the difficulties. We know that he does promise us to, that he will be with us, and he will give us the peace of God, even in those situations. And his love, he will give to us right in the midst of all of it. And when you're persecuted, that's when you need to cling to him. Cling to him. Because he's the eternal hope, right? He's the eternal hope. And we want to continue to live out his word in, in everything that we do. So let's now look at Matthew verse 22 that's going to, 1322, that's going to talk about the thorns the thorns. Jesus spoke about the thorns and he said, now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world, we all have them, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Unfruitful. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, unfruitful. Can't this happen really to any of us at any time? Because we all have, we live in this world and we have the cares of this world. Do you hear the word and then after you've heard it, you quickly become all wrapped up in the cares of this world? the temporal things of this world, things that you know will pass away. But you're in the middle of it right now. Things like wanting to fit in at school, doing the things people around you are doing, possessing the latest, the latest in everything, possessing the latest fashions, the latest home decor, the latest vehicles, the most recent and new technological devices. Oh yeah, that's a big one. And the list can go on and on. The world chases after these things and the world loves these things and we live in this world and we see it and, and it's enticing and we love them too. If we wanna be very honest with ourselves, it's very, very enticing. It's so enticing and so easy to just trip us all up, to suck us all in. These are the things that the world cares about and chases after, the things that keep running after more bigger and better and better and bigger, things that eventually will choke them and choke us into a debt that we can't get out of because we can't afford all those things but we have credit we have credit 
And before you know it, you have those possessions and you're choking. You're drowning in debt. And then there's the deceitfulness of riches. So how am I going to pay for these things? I have to make more money. I have to get richer. I have to do something. I have to do something. But riches, the word says, Jesus said, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. The deceitfulness of riches running after the wealth of this world and running after the wealth and the things that it can buy. Why are riches deceitful? Riches can buy almost anything, right? Riches cannot buy us, the God who we serve, the God who possesses all things, the God who is the creator of all things. We can't buy God. But people want to buy. He can't be bought, but wealth can buy people, right? If you have enough wealth, you could probably buy people. You could buy friendships. You can buy positions of power. You can get to a, in, into a point in your life where you believe that for a time you can purchase anything, even your happiness. And for some, they think that you, you, they can purchase or can get to the point if you have that kind of wealth that you think you can per purchase eternal life of some kind without the Lord. It's not gonna happen. It can't be done. It's deceitful. It deceives. It deceives because we will all die if we're not raptured. We will all die. All the wealth is temporal. It's the temporary things of this world. It's temporary, and it deceives. And we will die, and we will leave it behind. And we will have lived our life chasing after what we really need, who is the Lord, but trying to fulfill it all with all of those things. A good question that we should ask ourselves whenever the desires and cares like this come our way is, when I appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Will he look at me and praise me for accumulating so many things? He doesn't want these things in this world to become thorns to us. And this was talking about the thorns, and they can become thorns to us. They look enticing, but they can be thorns to us, pricking us here and pricking us there as we try to walk this path of life that he's given us, prompting us to pay attention to the temporal things, poking us to pay attention to the temporal things, and to run after them when we should be producing fruit. What did he ask us to produce? He asked us to produce fruit that will last. Fruit that will last. John, we're going to look, take a quick look into John 15, where Jesus instructs the followers to go and bear fruit. 
and to love one another as he has loved us. Jesus laid down his life for us. And in verses 13 and 14, he said, Greater love has no man than this, that to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, Jesus said, if you do whatever I command you. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So we must always remember that while God may grant us, God may grant us many things in this world, even some of those things that I mentioned, he may grant them to us, and it's not always a problem if he grants us those things, and he may, may grant them, but he does not want any of those temporal things to distract us from his plan for our lives. And that's why we have to be careful, because they can become a trap, become a thorn, become a distraction that keeps us so busy chasing after those temporal things or so busy trying to pay for those temporal things. We have no time, no time to actually pursue the plan that he has for our lives, the plan that when we stand before him, he could look down and say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. That should be the desire of our heart. Will he supply our needs? Yes. Will he also give us things that we want? Many times he will, but it must not be our pursuit. He calls us to be fruitful. And he will not allow the thorns to overtake us if we are listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he is our advocate, he's our comforter, he's our teacher, and we will remember that if we keep our minds dwelling on him, on God, and he then, the Holy Spirit of the living God, who's been given to each and every one of us, now that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven, that Holy Spirit of the living God, who is our comforter, our keeper, our teacher, our instructor, who is the very power of God living within you, able to produce in you fruit, miracles, anything and everything needed in order to accomplish his purpose. He will do it as long as we stay focused on him. The crop he wants us to produce, what is that crop? We know what it is. We're to bring people into the kingdom. We're to produce the fruit of the spirit. We know what that is. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control from Galatians 5. Amen. But let's go back now to Matthew 13, verse 23. We're getting closer to the end, guys. Hope you're not getting too restless. Jesus said, but he who receives seed on the good ground, this is what we always look at and say, that's me. We're good ground, and we are. But like I said, we can also fall into the trap of all these other things. Receive seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces produces some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30, right there from the mouth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Yes, Lord, we are called to produce, and we are called to be reproducers, reproducers of him, people who are interested in being in his kingdom, interested in loving him and serving him and doing his will. We're called to obey this command, and that command, of course, we know is to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He died for us, for us lost sinners, those of us, we were all lost in our sin. He died for every one of us, and he continues to this very day to provide the good seed of his word, the good seed of his word. And he continues to do that, and he provides the way to God and the eternal life through his sacrifice. So it's through him that we must ask for forgiveness, and through him who we receive all the blessings of the resurrection that Resurrection Sunday brings. Born again? Yes. We want to be born again. Born again in the power of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit of God works in and each and every one of us to produce fruit that will last. Fruit that will last. The fruit that comes from his garden is the fruit that we want to produce. It is the fruit that proves that you and I belong to God. It's important that we seek him and we seek to produce his fruit. That's what people will look at, and that's when they will see there's something different about you. There's something different about you. The seed, which is a gift, has fallen on good soil, and he will teach us how to grow that seed as we follow him, as we obey him. And I want to finish now. We're going to look at Matthew back at the beginning before he gave the parable, Matthew 13, 16 and 17, before he explained the parable to his disciples. He said to his disciples in Matthew 13, 16 and 17, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you, that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and they did not see it, mm -hmm. and to hear what you have heard, and they did not hear it. So I want to ask you, how much more have we seen? How much more have we sitting here heard even than they did? How blessed are we? We have the canon of scripture. And most of us have many copies of that canon at our disposal. We have the canon of scripture. His word should be a delight to us. How blessed are we to walk empowered by the Holy Spirit of the living God himself. What a blessing that is that he walks with us, that he gives us strength to stay on the path and to overcome anything that might present itself to block us or to push us to the side or lead us astray. How blessed are we? His path is the path of victory, amen? And that path should be the path that our souls desire
that our souls seek, that we look constantly to walk upon that path, no other path, not to the left, not to the right, not shrinking back, but standing tall and strong in him. That's what he requires of each and every one of us. He's expecting us to stand up to the task, to stand up to the task at hand, whatever is presented to us. We know we live in a world. We live in a world that is going crazy around us. Things are happening that none of us would have ever expected to see. We know this. And we have a righteous king. We have the one who will lead us in a victory march. And we need to look forward and keep our eyes on him. And we can have victory in him because he's the way. And he's with you. And he's with me. So let us cast aside and put aside everything and anything that would hinder us. Let's commit to doing that. Search your heart. Search your mind. What holds us up from fully, fully, fully being the people of God that he wants us to be? Because no matter where we are on this path, on this road, there's always more, and we know it. We know there's many times we don't give him our all. We don't. And we need to be honest with him and be willing to say, here I am. Show me what you want. Because we want to face our Heavenly Father in victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this time together. We praise you, Lord God. We praise you that you're the way maker. We praise you that you're the one who holds our futures in your hand. We praise you, Lord, that your promises have always been yes and amen. Just, so please pray for Andrew. Um, and, uh, and he 